Hey, and welcome to POP, Storyboard's podcast on private podcasts. I'm Jeremy Lin. If you haven't gotten the chance to listen to previous episodes talking about the Storyboard product and speaking with our awesome creator community, scroll down, check them out, and let us know what you think. But today, we have a very, very special interview in store for you with two extremely forward-thinking partners of ours who have brought audio into their organization. So now, I'm excited to welcome on Rosa Top and Makina Table of Planned Parenthood. Rosa, Makina, thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you, Jeremy. It's great to be here. Thanks, Jeremy. Happy to be here. So as we get going, I want to hear about both of you for our audience. Rose, I'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do at Planned Parenthood? So my role at the National Office of Planned Parenthood, so my title is the Director of Medical Standards Implementation, which is mostly just like, how do you do the medical standards at Planned Parenthood? So I provide resources and ideas, direction about how best to get the information to the people who ultimately provide the care. Awesome. Now, Makina, I know you come at it from a slightly different angle here. What about you? Tell us a little bit about what you do at Planned Parenthood. Sure. So my name is Makina Table. I use her pronouns. And I am the manager of National Office Learning Design. So contrary to Rosa, I am more internal facing. So I support our Planned Parenthood Federation staff, our national office staff, with learning, centering adult learners in their learning engagements and training really thinking about how to ground what we are teaching and training our employees on and equity, ground them in adult learning theory, and really just like person-centered experiences so that we can support the culture of learning in our organizational culture that we're building. So for those not familiar, Planned Parenthood is a massive organization. Y'all have affiliates at over 600 health centers throughout the U.S., How does your team approach organization-wide communication across different regions and centers? Yeah, so you're right. It is really big. So we're an affiliated model, which is, I think, if you think of a more common example would be, right, like something like McDonald's, right? Like we all, there's a bunch of different organizations, a bunch of different places who have different management, different leadership, but ultimately intend to provide you with the same experience. And so with having health centers and affiliates across the country, there are mostly we rely traditionally on email to communicate to one another, particularly. So both Makina and I are at the national office. So we do a lot of work with all of the affiliates as well as internally, whereas someone specifically at an affiliate likely works more closely with their specific staff in their local region. So when it comes from communicating from the national office out to affiliates, Really, email is the best way of doing that. And we have a handful of you know, webinars or all staff calls when big things come up. But traditionally, from the national office out across the federation, it really is just email. Luckily, within the affiliates, they have a lot more opportunity for in-person meetings and gatherings and you know, video conferences and a lot of different ways to connect once you're at the more local level. So I think some of our bigger challenges are figuring out how to do something better than email when communicating from the national office out to you know everyone across the country. And you, you talk about email and wanting to do something in addition to it. What 
what do you think email is missing for your team? What What's that missing piece? Yes, I can take that one. For the audience that I generally work with, both within the national office and across our affiliates, they're folks that are responsible for leading, developing trainings for their staff members, for community members. So think sex educators, think some of Rosa's audience as well, like the clinical training leaders and things like that. And a challenge has always been everyone's job or or their the way that they roll out trainings, launch trainings, the way that they approach trainings is really different. And so one of the bigger challenges for us is how do we deliver resources or create resources that can help all of these scenarios and all of these situations. And for us, that tends to look very general. And I think that's that's one of the limitations of like this kind of email chain. It's like we can't really delve deep into a particular circumstance or a particular situation. And I know for me, I like to bring like myself to the way that I do work. And still, you don't you don't really get the personality in email, not to mention we all have a massive amount of emails from who knows who. And so just feeling like you're adding on a different, adding on more work than it is actual learning can be a, a big barrier for me for engagement. I was going to say, the, the piece that I would just add to that is, you know, my audience really is the clinical staff. So nurses, providers, your front desk staff. And at the end of the day, they don't have time to read all of the emails that come through. And so final letter, just skimming, missing information, if they see it, saw it at all, how much is being processed. So yeah, really thinking about a different medium to share information. And to McKenna's point about just personality, it's a lot, can be a lot more engaging and connected to learn something or hear something from someone's voice in them as a person versus, you know, reading a, a dry bullet point type of email. And I think you segued beautifully, Rose, into my next question. There are a lot of different ways that people can communicate outside of email, right? Like texting, video. You mentioned personality as a big factor in this. What else was it about audio that really attracted you to that medium to communicate with your team? I think for for me, one of the exciting pieces about podcasting is just so many adults, so many of us listen to podcasts. And so your ability to to do that while also doing other things, so meaning like out for a walk or again, if we're coming back to people in the health center, if you're you know, getting ready for the day and setting up clinic rooms or like taking down for the day, like you can go about your day and still engage and listen. And so I think that's that's a part of podcasting specifically that's uh, appealing. And I think audio just, again, gets to both Makina and I are educators. And so just know that like people engage with information in different ways. And so providing, you can provide something in email, a transcript, whatever, but providing people also an opportunity to listen and, and process and engage with that differently. Just one more way of kind of getting, meeting people where they're at and getting them what they're interested in or how they might be interested in learning. Yeah. And I think the podcasting medium for me support or underlines a lot of the work that we try to, or the messages that we try to enforce in our work, which is everybody learns differently, especially in a, in a world with so much going on all the time. We're all handling 
multiple fires at any given moment. And so a lot of people, you know, do better with a little distraction. You know, if you have a little fidget toy or you're playing a little game in a meeting. I know for me personally, I'm a podcast lover. I love the quick news, you know, give me the top what I need to know so that I can go in and so that I'm not also inundated with too much information. And I think podcasts allow for a really quick, what's the main point? What is it that, what's that primary message you want me to know while also not adding an extra burden of like additional labor on top of the learning? Makina, I think you summarized that beautifully. I have to ask, what podcast do you listen to in your free time? So my my ultimate favorite is NPR's Up First. It's it it actually was a big inspiration for me joining this. It's like eight to ten minutes or less every day. It gives a really, you know, I like that it's not just the news in my neighborhood. I am one of those people that thinks like nightly news is are really sad. So I appreciate the approach that <laughs> up first things I can get a you know a breadth of information, a really wide breadth of information. And they do it in a way that's engaging. I hear you hear multiple voices that come on. They have people from the field, people from the office. They're kind of funny. So that's probably my fave. Rose, I'm gonna turn the tables to you. What made you choose Storyboard for your private audio solution? So I knew we wanted to try podcasting to get this information out in a different way to people. The same type of information we could do on email or on our intranet. And so as I started looking at enterprise solutions for this, since we have a really big reach, a lot of people potentially listening, started, you know, learned about Storyboard, nice, easy Google searching for private podcasting. And then really once you started working with your team and learning more about the product, really felt like it was going to meet the needs of being able to have a really traditional podcast experience while being, you know, internal only. So we thought about like, we could just put audio files onto our intranet or email them out and people could listen. But right, but like a big draw was like, it functions like a podcast, like you would listen to your morning shows or your afternoon shows. And so just started working with the storyboard team. I'd say one, Jeremy, I've really appreciated the customer support. It's been really instrumental in getting things going for us. So that just from a company support perspective has been really helpful and advantageous for us. But yeah, I'd say the biggest reason for really choosing storyboard was was feeling like it was going to meet the needs of getting this audio content out in a way that our employees could all access and have access to in different ways, whether it be online or on an app, and feeling excited about this partnership thus far. Now, McKean, I'll, I'll, I'll push this back to you. I know you especially were really early in this audio and podcasting journey. You've now had it live, I believe, for a couple months here. How did you effectively introduce audio to your team and how did you get them to buy in then? And how do you continue to onboard people to audio and come on with this idea? That's a great one. So I've been fortunate to have a team or a core team around me, including Rosa, kind of this initiative team, who are innovators. And I think that's one of the great things about this partnership is that Storyboard is an innovative way to work. And we do have a lot of innovators internally. And so it wasn't 
a struggle for buy-in necessarily. I think people are, you know, automatically understood the effort. What has been a struggle is maybe awareness building. And so that because, you know, how our model sits, our federated model, because we have folks all across the country, we've had to be really thoughtful and creative about how we're communicating, how we're letting folks know that this resource exists, that we put time into. And that's something we're still figuring out. It gets better. We try and we learn and we, we keep working on it. But I think that that, I think that we've had support We've been able to find support easily internally, which has been a, a huge like motivation to keep going. And as far as onboarding, so yeah, as you mentioned, I was an early adopter. So Rose and I have really been figuring out the kinks as we go. And I think that that has resulted in like really great shows, both Rose and myself. And therefore, people then get excited about hearing the final product. And so we've been thinking about ways to like streamline and more effectively support other staff members who want to start podcasts, sharing a lot of the incredibly helpful resources that Storyboard gave, and really encouraging them to think about, as Rosa said, both and I, both Rosa and I are educators, so really encouraging them to think about what is this for? Who is this for? What do you want people to walk away with so that the podcasts are still useful? We can make sure that everyone's podcast is useful in the way that they intended. Makina, I want to just reiterate one thing you said that I think is so crucial. You guys create awesome content, but you're asking the question, why should people be listening? And I, I think that's the key thing that y'all do such an awesome job with doing. And I think that's really the special sauce as we think about anybody who's creating content or creating audio. Rosa, I imagine that it's so crucial for communications to be clear in your world, you know, thinking about them consistently and timely. How has the work you've been doing with your content improved your team's communications? So, for instance, there's something new that's coming out in the clinical medical world for us right now. And instead of you know just releasing you know here's a here's a training series about this like an e-learning here's an email we were also able to record a podcast episode about it and really got to talk about here's how this all works here's good points for patient education here's how to do patient follow up and really dig into some of the clinical care dig into some of the stats and have people hear about that from actual like providers and from us, you know, at the national office has been a really cool way of, of sharing this sort of timely new information, which allows you to have a little bit more depth and a little bit more insight into the behind the scenes. How does this work? How do we figure all of this out? And so I think it, it just provides some space for people to understand some of the background of this work a little bit more and how that leads to just buy in and people's like wantingness to move this forward because we all know that change is difficult change management is difficult so when you get this type of information and this background it can ease some of that difficulty by having a little bit more of that rationale so i think those are some of the main things that we've seen thus far as as benefits to this but you know we still have a ways to go that we're hoping to to keep learning and keep trying some different things so that we really understand what people are looking for and how they're responding to, to information in different ways. 
And Makina, what about you and the content you are producing? How has the work you've been doing with your content improved your team's communications? So for me and my team, for my team and I, I think that the podcast has really transformed what people think of when they think of resources. My podcast is on training design and learning design principles and really supporting folks in thinking outside the box. And so I think that they see this podcast as one of those ways to think outside the box. Um, and so what I've what I've seen is a willingness of folks to try different things in training. They're, they're a bit more confident in just trying a thing. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But I think that as one of the early adopters of this podcast initiative, it's really put our like what we stand for as an organization to the test. I think Planned Parenthood is an incredibly innovative organization. And can we mirror that internally with our employees as well? So I've got to ask, is there anything like unexpected or like an unusual outcome or discovery you've made after bringing audio into your team so far? I know we're still early, but has anything surprised you? Like everybody likes podcasts and for different reasons, different motivations, but I've been pleasantly surprised. Not that I was doubting it, but I was, I've been pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by the amount of like excitement around this resource. I think I've been surprised at how many people I know who podcast. <laughs> like, so that has been a little surprising. Like, oh yeah, I have a podcast in my personal life. I'm like, you do? What? So that's been neat, but also, right, it's, I think it's been fun to have guests come on as well and interview them because I think that as we are required to, to like talk about things differently and share in an audio and a podcast format, I think we all learn a little bit more too about some of the process and about what people might want to hear. And so I think I have also been really excited about how much the guests that I've had have have enjoyed being a part of the process. Because at first, I think they're all a little bit nervous about being <laughs> interviewed. And, and so it's been fun to see people kind of light up and get excited and be really happy to, to be able to share in this way. I'm realizing that Rosa and I need to be on a podcast episode together on one of ours. Either for work or Y'all are going to create one on your own, right, Rosa? You're going to join up with all these people you know creating podcasts on their own. You're, you're going to have a whole arsenal, not only for Planned Parenthood, but your own creative network. Well, I don't know about that so far, but I do have a cool podcasting microphone now, so I'm one step closer. So you both mentioned you're pretty early on in this journey. What are your goals for the next six to 12 months here for audio? What, what do you want to be able to accomplish? So for my podcast specifically, this I'm working on season two. And I think with this season, I'm really going to dig a lot more into the metrics and different evaluation and think about you know the return on investment. So how much time are we spending? What is the engagement? What are people getting from this? And figuring out how to optimize that. So really trying some different things as I approach season two to make sure that people like this is a really good use of time for people and that they're engaging with it in ways that were working for them. So specifically for my podcast, that's the goal. 
more broadly across the organization, I'm pretty excited. Uh, we see we have a few different people who are starting their own new channels, and there's an affiliate who has their own channel as well. And so as we think about, so McKean and I are both educators really in this from the get-go, but there are so many more opportunities for podcasting. And that's what I'm really excited about is seeing different people grow and use the space in different ways. Because we're both sharing this as like learning and development and engagement. But I think there's a lot more opportunity for information sharing, for inspiration, for motivation, for talking about benefits and you know, just different ways of connecting people. And so I'm really excited as we move through the upcoming months to both centralize and kind of strategize some of our overall approach to podcasting as it continues to grow. And then I'm really excited to see what people do with it in the different ways that, you know, they see podcasting as being beneficial for their different work streams. Makina, what about you? Any any goals you're striving for here with your podcast over the next six to 12 months? My goal, I'm trying to take over. You know, I'm trying to like have everybody on the podcast. I have goals of, I haven't ventured as far into having guests yet, but I think in a, a of like a remote work world and a federated model, really being able to tap into like, hey, I can hear my, you know, CEO's voice, my VP, like those, those roles that you might not be able to interact with every day. And so how can we better humanize the team to the team and create more connection through something like this, through maybe a, a more informal, more comfortable space around topics that, you know, you don't hear about often. And I think for me, that is the most exciting piece is that I, I do get to work in this, in this particular, like, lane of mine where I'm encouraging people to think outside the box. And so I, I get to bring a level of creativity and autonomy to these spaces. And I would love to have continue to have folks to engage, to create connections. Amazing. One last question for y'all. Do you have any tips for other teams or other people who are looking to use audio, or maybe they don't know yet, as a way to engage those teams? I think something that's been really helpful for me is having a partner in it. I know both Rosa and I started early. And so being able to have someone in a similar workspace, headspace with similar goals to be able to bounce ideas off of, to run through scripts, to review each other's edits and things like that, to even partner. We did a partnered launch, which I think was really great. Folks got to learn about both of ours. And so for me, I say, if you want to start one, find you one person in your organization that can be a writer through, you know, the, the, the difficult, seemingly difficult, difficult as in doing something new, the difficult first, first few months. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful to have had a partner through this. Because this is something new and different for an organization to try. And so there are growing pains. There are reasons that it's like, well, it'd be easier if we just did this or if we didn't do that. If we just put an MP3 in an email, right? Like, but I think some of it is really sticking to like, we need to do this. We need to try it. So I think there's a lot of internal motivation and 
and power that needs to happen. But once you can find those few people who really see it and get it and can help, you know, motivate one another moving forward, because I think that if you have this idea and want to try it, like there's so many good reasons to try this in an organization. And if you can bring that energy and that vision and share it with enough people and get enough people behind you, I think there can be a lot of excitement and a lot of good stuff that can come from it. And it's really just keeping on moving forward as you hit those hurdles, as you reach those moments of like, Ugh, it's a lot of work. But there's, there's a, so much opportunity in it. And I think what we're seeing is like, you know, we did the hard stuff and now it will make it so much easier for other people to start doing this too. And so I think that is motivating and inspiring. And so we can be the ones who, who started this on the ground floor and someone down the road is going to do something so cool and awesome. And we can be like, yeah, we started that. Good for you. You started that. <laughs> and, you know, get other people to keep going with them. Well, Rosa Makina, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining and sharing these insights. I found them really valuable. I hope people listening find them valuable. I know we will talk very soon, but thank you again for hopping on with me. Thank you. This was great. Yeah, fun to be on the other side of the microphone. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for listening to this episode of POP. You can find our previous interviews wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be coming back in March with a brand new episode, so stay on the lookout. At Storyboard, we have plans for organizations and teams of all sizes with free, pro, and enterprise-level subscriptions. To learn how you can use Storyboard to record and share insights, updates, or stories with your team, visit our website at trystoryboard.com. You can also follow our LinkedIn page for regular updates. See you next time.